Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us all around the world. Last week, we were just under 900,000 total listeners for the week. We were just over uh, 70-some thousand listeners for this two weeks ago. So we're excited about that, people from all over the world. 27,000 unread emails this week. So if you're one of those people, I'm really sorry. Uh, Maybe put something interesting and unique in the subject line other than, we want to kill you, we hate your guts. That one I just ignore. I have a filter on that. And if if that's your thing, then you're really going to hate me after tonight because we're going to lay it out. Uh, first, I want to really welcome a guy I've known since 1987, came to see me, my good friend, Bill Shemansky. Great to have you, man. What a, one of my very best friends. We used to, hey, we, we used to get her done in uh, corporate security and executive security. So it, uh, it was a cool thing. What a, what a neat thing. What a small world, right? Small, small world. So great to have several people back here. Listen, the eats tonight are off the chain. Uh, meatballs, pizza, chicken all kinds of homemade stuff. It's just delicious. My goodness. Got some potato soup, got some homemade hot brownies. Everything arrived hot today. So you come here at five, you're you're not going to leave hungry. That's for darn sure. Save up your calories. I was telling my buddy Bill, I always save my calories for today. I eat like a bird, not a pterodactyl. I eat like a bird uh, right before uh, on Sundays so that when I come here, I can eat good stuff. It's It's all good. It's all good. And um, I'm thinking, Sean, I'm thinking there's going to be some special stuff coming. I'm feeling, no pressure, I'm feeling you're going to make some of that stuff that you made last year, just or the year before last. I'm just putting that out there. Well, my point exactly. He said we made a lot of stuff. Get with it, brother. We need, there was some good stuff eaten in this place last year, so in the year before. All armor on, holy fire in your belly. Listen, folks, this is going to come at you really quick. We may or may not finish uh, before the mark tonight. Uh, don't panic if we if we don't. Um, I was privileged to speak this week to, by the way, welcome to, let's see here, we've got Ohio. Uh, congratulations to a great run for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, great, great run. Uh, so we've got Ohio. We've got, uh, I think, Canada. Wow, we've got a bunch of places here. Oregon, really, really neat. So chat is open. And we're glad to have you. So I probably won't get to that tonight because, like I say, this is going to be a high pace, very, very high pace. Uh, I was privileged uh, this past week to speak 
to one of the Delaware 912 Patriots groups in Dover, Delaware. That was a lot of fun. And we, I see we have some people listening, actually joining in with us in, uh, this week. And so that's awesome. This coming week, of course, we have the election, which is why I'm preaching this message tonight. Uh, but uh, on the 10th, if you're in the lower Delaware area, I'll be in Millsboro, Delaware. Send me a message. I'll be in Millsboro, Delaware, uh, speaking to that group of the 912 Patriots. I think it, um, I don't remember, the Captain's Pizza off of uh, Route 24 and Route 5. So they have a conference area there in the back, and so we'd be glad to have you. So come on, let us know you're coming. So <clears throat> all armor on, holy fire in your belly. My friends, here we sit or stand. All over America, many thousands around the world, many of you listening to this broadcast through the still free, so far, still free internet today. We're here and many all too late realize we're on the cusp of a change of a country. The erasure of America, our country. Used to be we had ownership, right? We would take ownership over a country. This is my country. Uh, what I love about Texans, how many of you in here know some, some born and bred Texans? Not somebody that moved to Texas, but they're born and raised in Texas, man. Listen, that's their state. Everybody there is the governor in Texas, as far as I'm concerned, except for the ones that come across the border illegally. But if you're from Texas, you claim Texas, you have an independent sense, this is for Texas first is what I always hear there. And so I say that to say this, that, you know, I call it our country. We're on the cusp of, a, of the erasure of America, our country. And and I have to say, I say our country, but nowadays it's just changed, right? Everybody approaches things differently. They, well, you know, it's more of a globalized society. It's more of this, more of that. I'm here to tell you we need to cast that away. Uh, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But for better or worse, here we are. And some are very, very election weary. You've heard that. I'm election weary, people say despite never actually having been any more involved in the election than to simply turn on or turn off the radio or television. But some are weary, and they wonder if they'll ever even make it to the election is over. Well, you only got to make it until Tuesday, Tuesday evening. They say, man, I'm all burned out, man. I'm all burned out politically. I don't have anything left. Yet they've been near no actual fire, no actual fire. They've been in no spiritual or political firefights, but they're tuned out. They're burned out. They're tuned out. So they let somebody else decide the fate of our nation. And it's a good thing our founders didn't feel this way. Amen. Some folks have all the witty snippets, right? They have a bunch of witty snippets. They have them committed right to their convincing memory. They want to convince themselves, I think, more than anything else. You know, I'm tired of electing the lesser of two evils. That's one thing folks say a lot. You know, they're all crooked in Washington, D.C., and you just can't beat City Hall. They say that too. We have to remember that no matter whether the donkey or the elephant wins, the Lion of Judah is still in control. A lot of good Christian people like to say that, right? That gets them off the hook. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. I don't vote because as a Christian, I know that God is sovereign and nothing happens that happens without his knowledge and permission. And there's no point in sullying my righteous hands in the soiled world of politics. Any of you buying that? Not in this church, not in this kehala. You've heard lots of politically correct skinny jeans wearing pastors all across the nation, smelling like patchouli, stoling the virtues of staying out of the dirty business of politics from the pulpit, which if you allow yourself to let that sink in, that's kind of like a joke grenade. That statement in and of itself is political. Choosing to stay out of the fray is choosing 
to be political. You're either politically engaged or you're politically disengaged, but all the while it's a political decision. Hey, Don, good to see you, brother. All the while, the clean and hip, trendy, cool pastor sleeps well at night, right? He sleeps well at night. He's, he's hip, trendy. He probably even has cool-looking pajamas. Probably those little stars on the ceiling so he can, yeah, right, right? Geranimals. Yeah, yeah, high-thread count sheets. So he's sleeping very well at night. I don't know if they have skinny jean type pajamas or not, but probably has those. But he sleeps well at night. He knows that millions of innocent babies will be slaughtered before he ever finishes his next Christmas sermon series. He sleeps well, and you know he needs to sleep because the bags under his eyes are far too easy to see under the bright lights on a successful televised broadcast ministry. We all know television doesn't like puffy eyes, so his sleep is very important. Meanwhile, this country is literally in flames. Our sworn enemies are being welcomed into the inner sanctum of our country, and yet that preacher sleeps well because he deems himself above the fray. Hey, man, I'm unpolitical, but I'm kingdom-focused. Smugly, he says, my mission and calling is not a political one, but one above political. My calling and anointing is kingdom-focused. My friends, to tell you the raw truth, I am far less concerned with a pastor's political involvement than I am with their biblical acumen and practice. You see, we're here in this dark and angst-ridden place in America as a direct result, I believe, because of pastors who punted on first down, who tapped out in the first minute of the first round. They go inside at the first drop of rain. I believe it's because, in some part, pastors, I, I, I just believe this. I wrote about this in my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. It's because of the pastors who have never really known what a real fight is. Nowadays, they're, they're so effeminate in the Christian schools and the Christian seminaries all across America. you got guys studying to be pastors, never been in a rumble. They've never had to take anybody down. They've never defended anything. They've never stood up for something so bravely and so strongly. They've just never stood up for anything. What they did was they said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to pray for you. Or better yet, I'm going to wear my anti-bullying shirt, or better yet, I'm going to blow my whistle, and that'll be a pat interrupt. We'll all be good, right? So then they go in, they learn how to conflict resolve things and all that. That's what they do. They learn to conflict resolve, and they never get in a scrap. Here's a news flash for you. I'm hate, I hate to break this to you, but here's how it works in the real world. Bully T-shirts, anti-bullying T-shirts, I don't care what color they make them. I don't care what kind of witty thing you put on the front of them. They're just going to be bloody. They don't work. You know what works? If the person being bullied can't stand up for themselves, guess what should happen? Good people should come to their aid. So many good people that we don't stand for. You know, that's what's happening in America today. Look, James Comey, FBI Director James Comey, right on our way here, has announced that no new charges for Hillary Clinton on this email. I'm sorry to break the news to you. Now, we don't know what else is in there, but we do know that he has said that. Now, here's the thing. He is too afraid of Hillary Clinton and the death squad that is the Clintons. Here's the problem. He's not afraid of us, and that is the problem. And that, my friends, no matter how this election goes, this Tuesday is something we had better change. Yep, you heard it here first. I do believe it's because of the pastors. The pastors, they don't know what a fight is. They want to keep their hands clean as the nation burns. Don't get any of that soot on my hands. They want to keep the offerings coming in. They want to desperately be well-liked and approved by their congregation. They see a delicate third-rail topic in their self-described, kingdom-focused, hip-trendy, cool, seeker-sensitive 
church. I don't even know if they call it a church now. They call it a gathering. And they immediately decide that it's too polarizing in order to present their to their gatherings. We can't, this is, no, this is a third rail of politics. We can't talk about that here. We would alienate, and divide. We don't want to be divisive. We want to be inclusive. You see, pastors all across America are trying to do the delicate balancing act of being all things to all people in their congregation and in their community. But you see, I'm here to tell you, that doesn't work. You know what happens? That gets us where we are right now, today. I talk about it in my book. I talk about it in speeches all across the country. I'm privileged to tell the truth to every audience and look them in the eye and say, hey, church folk, you can tell me to your blue in the face that that's just not how we are. You better sharpen your swords. You better sharpen your shovels. You better keep your powder dry and your wires tight because here's a newsflash. We're in a different America now. This is a different deal, a different deal altogether. We're going to talk about that in a second. These pastors with uncalloused hands strive to straddle the electrified lines and still be liked and accepted. And to like and to be accepting, or shall I say in the politically correct vernacular, tolerant and inclusive of all things in the culture. Meanwhile, as Dr. Jim Garlow and many others have said, we have allowed the pulpit to be a different sort of place. We've allowed the mantra of, now let's not allow the politics to enter the pulpit. Let's, let's keep the pulpit apolitical. Let's, let's, don't, don't be political from the pulpit. We, that's the mantra. We've got to do that. And we've allowed that to overshadow and, in most cases, erase our biblical mandate in favor of politically correct and publicly likable presentations, not even sermons anymore. You know, they teach you, in, uh, and I have to say a big shout-out to one of my great teachers, Dr. Frazier, and, and, um, and David Frazier, great, great guy, great student in the Scripture. Uh, go on the Internet and search him. Great singer, great preacher, unbelievable. And Dr. Frazier, I'll tell you what, amazing. What an honor it is to have him listening. Before you assess that I'm being unfairly critical of some pastors, I want you to consider this. If a pastor would have said 50 years ago that tearing up a baby inside the womb is a bad thing, people would have responded, well, of course it is. However, if you say it today, some will say, Pastor, you're being too political. If a pastor would have said 30 years ago that the practice of homosexuality is regarded as an abomination to God, people would have agreed and said, of course it is. It's in the Bible. We can read it. Although if you say it today, some will say, Pastor, you are being too political. You're being a hater. If a pastor would have said that marriage is between one man and one woman, people would have said, of course it is. Say it today. And some will say, Pastor, you are being too political. You know what? If a pastor would have said just 10 years ago that God still has plans for Israel, people would have said, people would have said this. And they said it proudly. Well, of course. God has plans for Israel. The Jews are God's chosen people. Of course. You say it today and they'll tell you, Pastor, you're being too political. If a pastor would have said even eight years ago that the national debt is too high and that that in and of itself is immoral, people would have said, of course it is. But you say it today and some will say, Pastor, you are being too political. Political. But if a pastor just five years ago, five years ago would have said that socialism is a bad thing, people would have said, well, of course it is. But if you say that today, if you say socialism is a bad thing, people will say, pastor, you're being too political. These are examples all from the book Well-Versed by Dr. Jim Garlow. But I'm going to add an example here. Maybe this is a little rough for some. 
that just 15 years ago, if someone would have said that the religious, political, and military ideology of Islam, the pretender of religion, must be expelled from this country and banished from all impact and influence in the world by any means necessary. You would have said on the evening of September 11, 2001, of course we do. However, if you say it today, you'll be censored from your pulpit. And your time in the pulpit at any church will be marred by cries of hate, racism, bigotry, religious extremism, and more. Yet here today we face all of these things, and I'm going to name some more here in a little bit, virtually unabated. They're offered, invited, and instigated all across this great land, from sea to shining sea. They are being welcomed, and while they are welcoming all these things, biblical mandates are being ejected from American culture under the guise of inclusion, under the lie of political correctness, and all the while, our nation burns. You know what? I feel for you if you are election weary. I have a lot of people sending messages now saying, hey, man, I am too. I wish I wasn't. I'm hanging in. I wish I, I wish I could do it. I wish I could stay in the fight, but I just can't. I don't have anything left. God spare me. I just don't have anything left. Well, here's the sad thing about that. You don't have a choice. You see, you're going to be kept in change. You're going to be kept in change. You'll be a slave to political correctness, and then you'll be a slave to all the forces that are working violently against God, violently against things of God, violently against the things that we know are right, violently and sweeping all across this country as Christians are more and more silent intentionally and willingly Christians will then have to become silent forcefully. That's why we are where we are, but the Bible has some things to say. I'm here to tell you that this is not a situation in which you are helpless. You're not helpless in this. No. No, you're not helpless in this. I talk about my great friend Cliff here. Uh, has been to five levels of CSG with me, Center for Self-Governance, centerforselfgovernance.com. Go there, go to my website, got stuff all over there about it. The secret sauce, hashtag secret sauce. I'm here to tell you, welcome to upstate New York, by the way. In Southern Sense and talk radio show and Red Fox uh, blogger talk radio, awesome to have you. I'm here to tell you that there are things that we can do. And look, we're on the cusp of it. We're on the cusp of it, folks. Tuesday is the difference. Tuesday is the difference maker. Whether we have a country or we have a banana republic. You say, Dr. Sean, that is just nuts how you're kind of blowing that out of proportion. That's a little too much. That's hyperbole. By no means hyperbole. We lose on Tuesday by hook or by crook, by cheat or by feet. I'm telling you, we no longer have a country. You say, well, how can you hold up Donald Trump to be some great guy? I'm not. If you've listened to my radio show, you know when there were 3,500 people up on that stage, 17 but seemed like 3,500, when there were so many people running for this office and they're at the debate, nobody gets more than 15 seconds to talk. You know, I said, hey, my guy is Ted Cruz. That's the guy I'm voting for. Any guy that has the Constitution and every founding document memorized since he's 13 years old, well, that's, that's a guy I can get behind. But you know what? He didn't win. We didn't get him across the finish line. So our guy ends up being 
How ironic is it that our guy, we're so pious in our Christianness, that our guy ends up being a guy that's kind of harsh. Got harsh words, he's got harsh ways of saying things. He's a tough guy. Isn't it ironic that a tough guy comes in and says, hey, you know what, I don't care about your political establishment. I don't care about your left. I don't care about your right. I don't care about any of that. You know what I care about? America. I want to make America great again. And he's the first to admit, you know what, America isn't great anymore. You know, I'm wearing a shirt. It's a SEAL Team 6, Michael Strange, 8611. Extortion 17. It's a helicopter that was shot down. And we allowed it to happen. In fact, our government invited it to happen. Over 30 people and a, and a million dollar uh, uh, SEAL dog was killed. I've gone to visit that row of Extortion 17 in Arlington National Cemetery. Here's the crazy thing, folks. I've gone to visit that row with one of the moms. One of my most shared photos is up over 2 million shares now on social media. Is a photograph I happened to take. I wasn't even trying to take it. Uh, we were there together on a Memorial Day, and she was sitting there, and she was leaning over, and she's out of frame. Her name is Karen Vaughn. Aaron Carson Vaughn was killed on Extortion 17. SEAL Team 6, Gold Team, DevGrew, the best of the best. And I'm I'm there with her, and I'm honored to be there with her, and it's Memorial Day, and there's schools that have field trips, and there's people walking through, but then I see blankets laid out, and I see people bringing lawn chairs and sitting there and having fried chicken or whatever with their son or their brother or their husband. Well, Karen was actually sitting just out of frame, but her shadow was cast on Aaron's gravestone. Oddly enough, I posed, I sent it to her first, and I said, hey, I'd like you to have the photographs I took this day, and anything that, that you don't want me to share, you know, feel free. You know, feel free. I, I, it's between you, me, and Aaron, and Billy, and, uh, you know, I, I respect that. And she said, no, 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 send it along. And I, it, it was just a particularly poignant, uh, go to my Facebook, you'll see it there. The fact of the matter is I'm wearing this shirt today because Michael Strange was on that. They just had a big uh, fundraiser for the Michael Strange Foundation uh, up in Pennsylvania. And Michael Strange was on that. He's one of the world's greatest cryptographers, code breakers. My friends, there's countless stories. I just happen to know these people, but there are countless stories. You know, this week we just lost three Green Berets. What you don't know, we lost two CIA uh, armed operatives, really, really tough guys that used to be in special forces and went over to the CIA and they disappear and all they get is a blue star on the wall, no name, no certificate, no nothing. Half the time their family doesn't even know how they died. Lots of heroes in the fight. It would be very easy to quit and to give up. Be very easy. Be very easy to say, you know what, I'm war weary because I look around this room. Uh, folks, you, you'll be among some of the greatest people you ever met in your life if you come to our KLA on Sundays. Uh, these, this is my favorite audience. I say it all around the world. Anybody gives me a chance to come speak, I tell them, yeah, you guys are great, but you need to be there on Sunday. This is a great group. And you all are very, very politically astute. And you know you know, and you're involved, and you're tired. I heard some folks talking about uh, a guy named Anthony Del Calo, I think is his name. Is that his name? He's running for a district or something here, and he uh, and and they were doing uh, they were doing uh, lit drops and door to doors and all this stuff. This woman's had cancer a whole bunch of times. I was there when she had one of her surgeries, which wasn't even what a year ago. 
You got people that are handicapped two years ago. Uh, people that are handicapped going and doing these things, people going door to door, people on the phones, dialing phones. If anybody's got a right to feel war worry, election weary, look, you, you get cancer, you have an excuse, right? Right, forever. You got an excuse forever. Say, hey, I'm done. I'm done. I got to take care of me, man. I can't get stressed out. You work 80 to 100 hours a week. Guess what? You you got an excuse. You're working hard. But I know people in here that work like that. You're involved with leading important organizations going to work at your shop every day and being the only guy in there that believes the way that you do, running your own small business, having fought cancer, now you're, you're, you're going back to work and you're trying to keep, you, keep wheels on, fighting fires for the military, retired, widows, doctors, all of these people. you got lots of excuses. Teachers, hey, man, I'm a teacher. I get burnt out. I get burnt out. I am here to tell you, folks, that is gone. That is gone. The excuses that people make, they'll get in. I'm doing air quotes, radio audience. Ooh, that was brutal. I'll tell you what, I blocked him. I blocked her. Wow. I'm sure they're heartbroken. Whew. You better take a rest. I hope you have some uh, quick clot or something. Man, you might be bleeding out. They get all fired up. Man, that's social media, folks. That means nothing. We, we have to use the tools that we have, the technology we have. We have to use it effectively. My buddy Bill and I were just talking about how it's a resource. What did you call it? You called it uh, Facebook was a, uh, almost like a registry almost. And you can find just about anybody you want in the world. If they want to be found and they're on Facebook, boom, you found them. That's how we reconnected. And I was excited about that. But you know what we can also use Facebook for? We can use it as a powerful tool to change the nation. But you know when that won't happen? That won't happen if we only talk to people who believe exactly as we do. But what do we do? I just talked about this in a speech I gave a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what, if you come through your social media connections and you say, well, this guy, there's 10 items for me that are really important. This guy is at nine and a half. I'm going to cut him loose. And you're only preaching to the choir. I talk about it with many of my friends all the time. You preach to the choir all the time. Guess what? They're going to get tired of the message. They're the same thing. They know your sermon. They can read off the page. God tells us, look, we don't have a choice to sit back. We don't have a choice to lay back and relax and get comfy. No, we don't. Do you love this country or don't you love this country? You say, well, I'm a Christian. That's not my job to love this country. It's my job to love God. God gave us this country. How do you think you ended up here? People that are immigrants to this country, uh, Drago. How many of you know Drago? Anybody hear Drago? Uh, unbelievable. He, he was a prisoner, a political prisoner in Poland, communist Poland. And he escaped Poland, came to the United States of America, joined the United States Navy, became a citizen, joined the United States Navy and said, what's the best I can do for this country? What's the best I can give? And he became a United States Navy SEAL. He was a breacher for his entire career. He looks like he doesn't need a battering ram even now, and he's been retired for a couple of years. But Drago gets tears in his eyes when he talks about this country. You know, he has friends, close friends, best friends that he was next to when they left this earth. Because they're fighting Islam all around the world. When he goes to Arlington National Cemetery, he sees the names that he saw on the locker next to him for years. He sees names that he went through buds with. Maybe that he was even on a boat crew with in buds. He sees names there that he's been to their weddings. He's been there for their firstborn, you know, waiting to hand out cigars. 
He's been to all the retirement parties. He's been to all the hospitals to see his buddies with half a body left. There's lots of people in this country that have given it all. And God says, I gave you this gift. Don't give up. Don't quit. We're on the cusp of something great here. A lot of people have said, you know what, praise Jesus. I can tell he's coming. He's coming. He's coming back. Hey, good for you. Good for you. I I believe that too. But you know what? A thousand years is but a day to God. Tell you what I'm going to do. This is my game plan. My game plan is to be ready, but to work until he comes. I'm going to work until he comes, to fight until he comes. There's a a message that I did two weeks ago uh, on the Wednesday show called Until He Comes free of charge at drshawngreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R, or the ninjapastor.com. You go there, you link on it's free. Listen to that message. It's high impact. I'm not positive I took a breath. Until he comes, folks. Christians, we've got to toughen up. I told this dear lady, she was so nice. She was so nice to ask this question, and I felt bad for her. Uh, She was at this gathering, and they invited me to come to speak, and I was honored to be there. And this dear lady said, look, you know, we're conservatives. We don't fight. We don't fight. We're, that's not our way. That's not our training. That's not our, that's not our personality. And I said, ma'am, no disrespect to you, but you've got to learn to handle a weapon. You've got to learn to get in the fight. Center for Self-Governance teaches you step by step, day by day, through all the program requirements, all the different things that we do. We'll teach you. You say, I don't know anything. We'll teach you. It's pennies. It's so cheap to get this. Some of the best instruction you'll ever get in your life. For real. Is it not? Some, and I've had lots of instructors. I've had 11 years of postgraduate education. I'm telling you, Mark Herr is the best teacher I've ever had in my life. I don't even know how he gets all that stuff in his head, really. I really don't. But it's all real-world stuff that if we all learn together, we can do it. But in lieu of that, if we're not all going to go there, if we're not all going to be in the study, then we've got to grow stronger. We've got to put on armor. We've got to stop shrinking back as though we are already defeated. We've got to stop looking to the sky and saying, well, God's coming. I, I don't have to look for the slings and arrows. I don't have to look for that stuff because God's coming. I just, I'm ready. I'm ready for him. Even so, Lord, come. Come quickly. But quickly may be in a thousand years. We don't know. We don't know. Get in the fight. You've got to ready yourself for the fight. You say, whoa, man, the politics. Listen, come Tuesday, if Hillary Clinton, one of literally the most evil people to ever walk the planet. You understand that, folks. You understand that Hillary Clinton literally is one of the most evil people, top five, I would say, on the planet, believe it or not. You say, whoa, that is hyperbole. My goodness, Pastor Sean. Ooh, too much. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Read the WikiLeaks, read the emails, and you see what this woman and her crime family have done to this country. How anybody, I said this in a, in a tweet, um, that anyone who at this point still votes for Hillary Clinton is indeed a traitor. There's just no way. There's no way you can tell me a woman who laughs about cutting a baby into pieces but use a sharp knife so you don't damage the goods. The goods she's referring to are the sellable organs inside the baby. Her hero is Margaret Sanger. 
how Hillary Clinton goes to these places a, and puts on the affect of a urban voice, a black voice, a southern voice, whatever she does. Wherever she is, she's a chameleon. She pretends. How these people don't run her out on a rail, I don't know. But they stand there and they listen to this fake southern accent, this fake black affect that she puts on, and and they buy it. I don't know how, because she idolizes Margaret Sanger, whose objective in forming the foundation of Planned Parenthood was to exterminate black people. And somehow or another, they follow her. They follow her. But you know why they follow her? I'm going to tell you why they follow her. They follow her because they don't see any real opposition. They see a lot of talk from Congress, a bunch of lips flapping. They see that. And all across America, they don't see fellow pastors standing up saying, time out. We don't want anybody in that great office, the greatest office in the land. We don't want anybody there that stands for cutting babies up, for birthing a baby just to the – listen, she's – it's not even partial birth abortion. You've got to understand this, folks. She is for post-birth abortion up to six months. You decide. Do you want to keep the baby or would you like a different one? This is what she stands for, my friends. This is real. So you say, well, I'm feeling hopeless. Dr. Sean, I don't have any hope left. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. Today, I saw your faces when I announced to all of you that there will be no charges coming for Hillary Clinton. Now, we don't know if that's no charges ever or what. We don't know the deal. But what we know is the man announced it. Well, he's now becoming an enemy of America. You say, well, he's afraid of losing his life. He's afraid of his family being killed. He ought, to be, he ought to be equally afraid of conservatives and people that are on the right, people that do the right thing. We've got to stop being sheep, folks, and we've got to be sheepdogs. They do what they do to us because they're not afraid of us, and we've got to change that. It starts like this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 in the Complete Jewish Bible. Finally grow powerful in union with the Lord, in union with his mighty strength. Powerful grow powerful the assumption is is look we're we're weak folk right we're weak people we we're here and we're weak because we were born weak we weren't born strong we weren't born awesome we were born feeble and weak and dependent and all those things but you know what we did we learned to be strong we either had strong tough parents or we had weak parents and we learned to be soft and weak we go to a job. You know, I had great bosses all throughout my life. I'm so fortunate. Now, I had some tough ones, but I had some great ones. And we had a great one in, uh, in, in Mike Capadano, unbelievable man, unbelievable man, principled man, great leadership throughout. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, I've been so fortunate, so fortunate to see bravery and courage under fire modeled from my military career all the way up until now. I've seen people that are in the fight, man, and there are people that you would never think will be tough. Anybody ever meet Ray Comfort in person? You guys know who Ray Comfort is, right? Way of the Master, does it with Kirk Cameron. Do you know how tiny Ray Comfort is? Anybody know how tiny he is? I met Ray Comfort, and, I, and I'm doing like this radio audience, you can't see me. Uh, hi, Mr. Comfort, how are you? I'm just Ray, I'm just Ray. You know, he's, he's from, um, I think he's from Australia, I think, or South Africa. Little guy. And he gets on the street and preaches the truth and engages people and calls people out when they say stupid stuff. Now, my buddy Jeff, my, my buddy Jesse Waters, you know, Waters World, Philly boy, 
you know, he's a tough guy. I, I would love the day when somebody tries to hit him. You know, somebody threw water at Geraldo. Go ahead and do that. To Je- <laughs> Jesse will put the mic down. You don't want that. You want one of his hands full with something because that boy will throw down in a heartbeat. He didn't play. That's why people don't do that to Jesse. People, they're in the fight, man. They're in the. They tell the story. They tell the truth. They call people out when they're liars. They stand up to them and say, "No, I'm not going to listen to your lies. You're lying right now." Well, I misspoke. Well, I shouldn't have. In retrospect, now you know I shouldn't have used a separate uh, email. And this woman's fans allow that excuse. The email scandal is 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 huge. It's so far-reaching, folks. So far-reaching, you cannot imagine. Comey needs to be enemy number one. I'm going to tell you in a Trump presidency, Loretta Lynch, Comey, Barack Obama, everybody from Barack Obama down gets investigated, and if they're found guilty, they're put in jail, and if they're found guilty of treason, choose whether you want the chair or you want the bullet or, or to be hanged. Choose which one, and you start hanging them because they are treasonous. You say, Pastor, you can't say stuff like that from the pulpit. Yes, I can. You want to know why? Because I don't beg at the teat of the IRS to give me this 501c3 so people can get a couple dollars of their money back and the government can tell you what to do. You know what they can do? They can go somewhere else and do something else because they're not telling me what to say. In America, in America, pastors need to stand up and stand in front of the of the the fiery slinging arrows, we've got to stop being afraid. You know why people in the uh, people in the auditorium and in the sanctuaries all across America are afraid to speak up and to speak out because their pastor is afraid. You know there are a lot of pastors. Some people teach this in seminary, and I don't know why this is. I do know why this is, but I'm not going to share it with you. Um, they teach pastors, listen, have a monitor, and you be backstage or be in the green room while all the worship stuff is going on, especially with multiple services. So you just come out right as you're supposed to speak. And then when somebody's doing the prayer, you disappear. You just, poof, it's just amazing. That keeps your strength and your energy up. And I think to myself, you're preaching for 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and half of that is video up on the screen. What's wearing you out, brother? Take a vitamin B. Eat an apple something. Have a turkey meatball. Get you some protein. <laughs> I got in so much trouble. Angie's saying I need to use my special voice. It's my special voice. <laughs> special. It's so special. But scripture says, grow powerful. If the assumption and the knowledge is he created us, he knows we're flawed. We're broken. We got stuff wrong with us. We got, by the time you get to my age, 51 years old, hurts, habits, and hangups, they're weighing you down, right? All of us. And as you get older, you get more, you sling some off, you take some on. That's how it works. That's just reality. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's a lot of conservatives that are afraid to step out front Call it what it is, because you say, look, I got a lot of skeletons. Man, a femur just popped out of my mouth. I got a lot of skeletons. All of us do. Stop being worried about what somebody's going to hold over you. Take your lumps. Take your lumps. James Comey, I don't know what they held over his head. But it ought not. To, it ought to pale in comparison to what the justice-seeking people all across America are going to do to him as a result of his treason to this country. What happened? We've got to grow 
powerful in union with the Lord. You see, we were all separate. We were all trying to figure out our own thing. God says, no, you grow powerful together with me in his mighty strength. Use all the armor and weaponry that God provides. Folks, folks, don't come at me with this pacifistic thing, this pacifistic deal. Don't come at me with that. Well, Jesus said to turn the other cheek and walk away and don't engage them. No, he didn't say that. What he said was, if you got two cloaks, sell you one and get you a sword. Because it's about to get rough up in here. It's about to get rough in this country. Listen, ISIS has already said, Black Lives Matter has already said, the election goes a certain way. Black Lives Matter says, we on. You're going to see days of rage up in this country. And I'm here to tell you, bring it on. Bring it on. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I have had all I can take of special interest groups, and that make no mistake, it's a special interest terrorist organization. I'm tired of being told I'm your problem. Take a ride with me through Wilmington, Delaware sometime, through the inner city of Wilmington, Delaware. Let's go for a ride to Philadelphia, the mean streets of Philadelphia. Let's take a little quick ride through Baltimore and Detroit. We'll go on. We'll, I'm not afraid to go there. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. I'll put a piece of plastic under my seat so if you have a little problem, we can easily clean it up because that's what most, most pure white people do when you take them into the bad, bad places. And you start to realize, wait a second, what's going on over there? That's a drug deal, my brother. That's a drug deal. Folks are selling, well, what's that girl doing? She's selling something else. But guess what's in their mailbox? A check from you. So at some point, folks, you've got to get tired of it. You've got to say, I've had it with it. I'm, I've had it. I'm tired of being called names, but I'm even more tired of that sucking sound that's the money flowing out of my wallet. I want to talk more about that in a second. But he said, use all the armor and weaponry that God provides so that you will be able to stand against the deceptive tactics of the adversary. The adversary is going to lie to you. The adversary comes out like a 68 or 70-year-old white lady with 27 different accents, depending on where she is, and a bunch of pantsuits. No, not you. Not you. Hillary. We're talking about Hillary. This woman comes out, and she says whatever she needs to say to whatever group she's in front of. Amen? Whatever it is, don't matter what it is, doesn't matter how much it contradicts what she just said over in this city, she's going to be in this city. And, she, and here's a tip. If she's listening, I know she probably doesn't listen to my show. She should. She should. She really, really should. But if she is listening, Hillary, those two things with the fuzzy things in front of you, they're called microphones. You don't have to yell like you're trying to reach the back. Please, lady, stop yelling. Your voice is not pleasing. I'm tired of replacing mirrors and windows in my house. You've got to stop yelling. For peace. She's a screech owl, Don. She's a screech owl. Just hush your mouth, lady. Write something down. Better yet, email it. It seems to be you can say and do whatever you want on email if you're Hillary Clinton. But don't yell at us and talk to us anymore. We're tired of hearing your voice. Deceptive tactics, though. She goes, it's souls to the polls, right? You've heard that saying, souls to the polls. That's, that's last Sunday. Did you know last Sunday was souls to the polls day? You know what that is? That's where the Democrats, this is, a, this is a system within the Democrat Party, where they go to the churches, the black churches, they go to as many as they can, the candidates, and they press the flesh and pretend to know the spirituals and pretend they like the music, pretend they like all these people hugging on them all sweaty and stuff because, you know, they wear their clothes. They sweat through them clothes. She can't stand to be touched, by the way. Hillary can't stand to be touched, can't stand to be touched. And you know who she likes to touch her the least? 
We know this from our own personal black folk. She can't stand being touched by black people. She literally can't. She's written it down many, many times. So here's the thing. Deceptive tactics, folks, so that we may be able to stand. Some of the weapons that we have, some of the armor that we have, guess what that is? It's called the Internet. The Internet can be used as a weapon. Look at these hackers, Guccifer and, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, straight up, testify, Edward Snowden is a hero. Assange, hero. I'm not a big fan of how they did what they did, but I'm telling you right now, one of the reasons why they're so afraid of Donald Trump is he doesn't care. I believe that man's intent is to rip the lid off of all that is evil in Washington, D.C. I really believe that. I really believe that. I also believe that Ted Cruz, had Ted Cruz been, elect, been our nominee, I believe he would have done it too. I believe he would have done it too. But you know what? We didn't get him across the line. So we got Trump. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe there's a reason we have Donald Trump because, uh, believe you me, he's got the armory. He's got the weaponry that God provides so that you'll be able to stand against the deceptive tactic of the adversary. We know this. The premise here, the simple premise here is we are always going to have the adversary. Whenever you win, look, we got the big win, right? We battled back against gay marriage in Delaware, right? Remember when we got that big win? I announced to you we were all excited, the bathroom bill, all that stuff. Remember, Cliff, we were, we were plugged in on that. And we said, hey, man, don't. All of us in CSG are like, time out. Don't get, don't get complacent now. Because they're going to have a midnight vote some of these times. They're going to whip up the group and go, well, it'll slip something in, another bill. They'll always do it. They will always do it. They never give up. They never stop. They're never out of the fight. But conservatives and Christians, you know what we do? We're out of the fight. We're out. We get tired. We get tired too easy. And then we fall for the deceptive tactics of the adversary. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers governing this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. My friends, somebody says, you're yelling. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Move the microphone further away from your mouth. Is your face red? What's to know is my face red? For we are not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers, governing this darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Folks, if you don't know by now how we are fighting evil, 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 then I don't know, I don't know how to convince you and help you understand that this is a spiritual battle, my friends. I talked about the lesser of two evils a couple weeks ago, and I talked about it in a speech. I don't want to hear anybody talk about lesser of two evils anymore. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you're a human being, you get to 50 years old at least. It took me longer than 50. I'm 51. Am I 51? I'm 51. Uh, it took me uh, longer a little bit because I'm slow. But I came to the understanding, wait a second, everything is a lesser of two evil. Let's see. Am I going to have another piece of fried chicken? Because I have a drumstick. Or am I going to have more of those turkey uh, meatballs, lesser of two evil? Or brownies, amen? Who said brownies? Amen. I can always count on you, brother. Right? He's going evil with the evilest of the two evils. Yeah. Life is short. Eat good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. You've got to understand. 
It's all a battle of the lesser of two evils. It's all a battle of that. We know that the one thing that's not in that list of the lesser of two evils is Yeshua Hamashiach, our Savior and Lord. Adonai Elohim, God the Father. Heavenly Father isn't in that group. Choose him and reject all else. But realize that there are times in our lives when we have to make a conscious political decision. And that political decision is, okay, woman who advocates for the dismemberment of a living human being who outside the womb could live so that the body parts could be sold. Folks, that's evil. That's evil beyond that's, that's the most evil thing I can ever hear in my life is that somebody will take a baby and cut them into bits and vacuum them out, but being very careful so that we can get the parts that are worth money. Come on, folks. You, can, you, you have to be appalled at that. That's, that's restrained evil. And you say, well, Planned Parenthood does a lot of good. They do a lot of good. No, Planned Parenthood runs off of government money. They lie and they say they do all these other things. But guess what they're in the business to do? They're in the business to kill people in poor communities, namely blacks, as many as they can. If you live in Wilmington, Delaware, and you, you are a black baby, listen, it's going to be tough if you grow to be 15, 16 years old, but you know where it's tougher? It's tougher in the womb because 82% of the babies that are conceived to black people in Wilmington, Delaware, never make it out alive. They never survive the abortionist scalpel. Deceptive tactics. They say, hey, we don't want you to show this person who's about to go in and have an abortion this video. We don't want you to show that to them. Of, of what happens inside the womb and the life stages and all these different things. We don't want you to show the baby's face in the womb smiling. It makes me so mad I can't stand it. I say to myself, folks, how can we be a civilized people and allow babies to be slaughtered? Innocent. And what's ironic is 93% of the people who are pro-abortion, pro-killing babies who are innocent are 93% fact, hashtag, check it out, anti-death penalty for violent felons, 93%. My friends, you've got to look at that juxtaposition, and you've got to say to yourself, my God and my Lord, how did we allow this to be? And I'm going to answer it for you. Pastors all across this country bowed out. They punted on first down. They quit in the first inning. They said, I'm out, before the bell was even rung for the fight to start. Because they said, hey, I don't want to be a hater. We need to love those women. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, folks. I, I don't advocate throwing anything at, at women, but educate them, tell them what the deal is. And then if they continue to do what it is they, they seek to do and they don't care, guess what? They ought to have committed a crime. Because you, you let that baby be one day out of the womb. One day. One day. You let her take a knife and stab herself in the belly even while the baby's in there. She's committed murder. Come on, people. Come on. You say you're a one-issue guy. No, no. I have several others. Deceptive tactics. They don't want you to see that video. They want to call you and brand you a hater because you want to show the potential 
person who's committing this murder inside her body, aiding and abetting, they, no, we can't show that to them. That's upsetting. Really? Really? That's upsetting. Tactics of the adversary. For we're not struggling against human beings. Folks, I look at, I look at this verse and I say, Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Your word is so powerful and so true. It's so accurate. It's so accurate. We're not struggling against humans. Listen, a person who can advocate for the murder of a child, this, these late-term abortions, folks, they say, well, the, we don't believe the baby has pain. We don't believe, believe the baby suffers pain. Go ahead and do that to an eagle egg. See what happens to you. Now, I'd be first among them. You mess with my eagles, man. I'm, I'm into I'm not the football team, no offense. Uh, but the but the eagles. I mean, I, I'm a freak about eagles. I I have a thing. I think that's you know, if you have a spirit animal, if God allows that, I think mine might be an eagle. Just might be an eagle. I'm all the time seeing eagles, trying to photograph them. I always try to get real like, uh, you know, a pick of sharp of their eye and their beak and their feathers, and they're so regal. And when they're flying, you'll see if you go and look at my photography on Facebook and wherever else. Um, You'll see. I like to come when they're. I had one uh, over a pond, and these two these two uh, hawks were. They were they were fishing in this pond, and they commenced to rumble. They threw down up in the air about 500 feet off the ground. Of course, Sean Greener, you know, I ski daddle right back in my house. I should have my camera with me because that's what photographers do. They have their camera with them all the time, but I didn't. So that's why I'm an amateur. And so I ran in real quick. Got my camera, ran back out. Oh, they're still there. Thank God. Let me catch my breath. And I took pictures of them. You can see them on the Facebook. They're, they're talons. I got to get a picture of their talons. They're tangled up with each other. Man, I love that. Don't let me see somebody poaching on an animal. I'm a hunter. I'm an avid hunter. I love to hunt. I love that God gave me a way to provide food for my family and my friends. I love that he did that. It's not for everybody. I don't dance over top of a deer or whatever else. I don't do that. I respect it. I respect it. It's beautiful. If I saw somebody abusing nature and abusing wildlife, you, those who know me know I'd be all up in their face. What a baby, folks. We allow laws to be put on the books to protect animals, but we say to the babies, you're on your own. Human beings, human beings don't do that. The rulers, the people who make the laws, the, the authorities and cosmic powers governing the darkness, folks, there's so much darkness in Washington, D.C. right now, I don't know how they get anything done once it turns daylight savings time around 4 or 4.30 because it's so dark there. It must get dark there about two hours or anywhere else in the world because it's a dark place. First of all, if I'm ever elected president, two things I'm running on. You ready? I'm running on let's do away with winter or make winter like a month long, and then I'm getting rid of this daylight savings time. This is for the birds. Stupid, stupid thing. I hate that. Cosmic powers governing the darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on in the heavenly realm. There's a battle going on here. But we for too long abdicated we walked away from our gun. There's a story, a movie that's out called Hacksaw Ridge. I don't have any. I don't have any connection to the film other than I know the story, uh, and I've met people affiliated with it. But I'm telling you, an amazing story. An amazing story. Folks, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. No. But the thing is, is this guy said, hey, man, I can't kill anybody. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll save as many lives as I can. Seventy-five. 
and what he went through to save those lives, unbelievable. And at the end, he was he was sad because he couldn't save more. Take up every piece of war equipment God provides so that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to resist. You see, you've got to listen to how this is put. So take up every piece of war equipment God provides so that when, oh my goodness, folks, so that when, in other words, it, it's not, it might going to happen. Maybe. It's, it, listen, it's when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's coming for us. It's coming for you. It's coming for our country. It's coming for our children, grandchildren, neighbors, and friends. It's coming. He says right here, it's coming so that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to resist. And when the battle is won, you see, if we resist in God's name and Heavenly Father with us and we evoke the power of Jesus' name and we fight like we're supposed to fight, armed up, says you will be able to resist. And when the battle is won, you will still be standing. Therefore, stand. Have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on righteousness for a breastplate. And wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news of shalom. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something here. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. My friends, listen, something, something folks nowadays are afraid of is the truth. I've got good truth about me, really good truth about me, and I've got really bad truth about me. I do. I do. Man, there's stuff you learn about me. Whoo, you'd be like, mm mm mm. But here's the thing you've got to know the truth about yourself first. You've got to know the truth, capital T, about the truth, capital T. You had better know. You had better know in whom you believe. You had better know. What things you stand for, the truth, things that you're willing to fight for. I see people that allow, look, let me just tell you this. I'm just being fair to you. I'm giving you a fair warning. I wasn't always a pastor. Uh, look, you run around, mess around, try to set a flag on fire, an American flag, a United States of America flag on fire, and I see it, we're going to see how flammable you are. We're going to see how flammable you are. No, you will not burn my flag. Oh, you want to stand on your flag because you have rights of, of free speech? Really? How do you like standing on broken legs? I won't stand for it. I'm sorry to tell you. Say, well, that's not how we're supposed to be. So sue me. Take my pastor card away. I have a clerical collar and a black outfit. I'll just stop wearing it. I'm sorry. I don't look that good in it anyway. No, you will not. You will not stomp on my flag. No, you will not. You know why? Because the red of that flag symbolizes the blood of my brothers and my sisters in Arlington National Cemetery and all across the country. The red in that flag symbolizes Michael Strange and all his brothers on 8611. My friends, too many things have been done. Too many things have been done. Too many things have been lost. Too many lives have been changed and taken. Too many body parts gone. For me to stand idly by and say, well, my friends, the belt of truth, we've got to know in what we believe. You've got to educate. One of the things, one of the, I hate to keep harping on Center for Self-Governance. I swear they don't pay me. Uh, one of the things I love about Center for Self-Governance is you learn the truth. You can fight a lot harder when you know the truth, right? But if you're on the fence, if you're on the fence about what's true and what's not true, right, you're not going to fight very hard because you don't know. But I know this. I don't have any doubt in my mind. I don't have any doubt in my mind. 
you go ahead and step on a flag. You go ahead and set a flag on fire in front of me. I'll go down. I'll go down swinging. I don't care. Put me in jail if you want. Well, they have their right to free speech. Burning an American flag unless you are discarding the flag according to protocol is a crime. And you know why you don't know that? Many people don't know that. It's because we've been taught that that's a free speech issue, a First Amendment right. They have First Amendment right to set a flag on fire. They have First Amendment right to stomp on a flag, to put a flag. Now they're urinating on the flag as if all that other stuff wasn't enough. And there's a law on the books that says you can't do it. Well, I'm just going to consider myself. I'm, I'm up for Comey's job, anybody that wants to write in for me, because I don't think he's long for this job. You'll still be standing when the battle is won. You see, here's the thing. We don't place our faith in Christ fully and completely, right? We don't do that. We don't do that. We say, well, I'm going to read Scripture. I hope it works. I'm going to pray. I hope it works. I'm going to get together with the saints. I hope that works. Nope, we've got to stand. We've got to have the belt of truth buckled around our waist. Put on the righteousness, put on righteousness for a breastplate, and wear your wear on your feet the readiness that comes to the good news of shalom. We've always got to be ready. We've always got to be ready. Look, I said this before. I'll say it again. We cannot allow ourselves to be like. Listen, Donald Trump wins. This is what we're being told. Intel tells us, and this is actionable intel. They tell us that ISIS is planning on disrupting the United States election. On Tuesday, be alert, be aware, pay attention. I'm telling you right now, do not not go to the polls. You want to know who ISIS is afraid of? Let me tell you who they're not afraid of: Hillary Clinton, pantsuit lady, screecher lady. Mm-mm. They're not afraid of her. Not afraid of her at all. Not even a little bit. She's a sickly old woman with an evil streak. There's nobody, nobody. They, they look at her, they laugh. You know, go ahead and elect her. She's tight with them. She takes. Most of the money that she's running on comes from them. You can maybe they're not worried about her. Where they're going to see trouble, Donald Trump. Because I believe they know their days are numbered under Donald Trump. Donald Trump will press a button quick. Donald Trump will say, "Dump all you got on their heads." I don't have a problem with that. I'm sorry to tell you, I don't have a problem with it. You say, "Well, pastor, you don't sound like a pastor." I sound like a warrior, folks. Pastor Blaster. Yeah, I need a new nickname. Scripture says so that when the evil day comes, the evil days are coming, we'll be able to resist. And when the battle is won, we'll still be standing. Stand. Have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on righteousness for a breastplate. And wear on your feet the readiness. We've got to be ready. But we've got to be ready at peace, right? That sounds crazy. You say, Dr. Sean, you're talking two different things here. Ready at peace. Shalom is, look, listen, uh, there's lots of examples of Israeli Defense Force uh, fighters in the midst of crazy pitched battles reciting Hebrew prayers while they're firing up on their enemies, calling God on down upon them. Elohim, Adonai Elohim, give us this power. Always carry the shield of trust. Always carry. I should always have my camera every time I leave the house. I should have. I should probably have a camera strapped around me right now if I'm, if I'm going to be a half-decent photographer. But bottom line is I do always have my gun. I'll shoot something one way or the other. The thing is, is, You've always got to carry the shield of trust. You've always got to be ready. You've always got to be ready. Folks, we, can, we, can, we cannot have an off day. The enemy doesn't take an off day. They don't back off. They don't back down. Always carry the shield of trust with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Folks, 
the arrows are coming at us fast and furious right now, are they not? They're coming at us. We're 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 taking defeat after defeat. I had to had to laugh a little bit today. Trey Gowdy was interviewed on television. You know, he's a great litigator. He's never lost a case. He was prosecutor. He's one of the most successful prosecutors in history. But that boy can get up there and talk. He can really make uh, the politicians look stupid. Hillary Clinton up one side, down the other. James Comey up one side, down the other. Oh boy, IRS uh, hashtag IRMS. You know, uh, Lois Lerner and all these other uh, Kachinics. All these people who are criminals. Great. What happened to him? Nothing. He said today, he was interviewed today by Maria Bataramo, and she said, why doesn't something happen to these people? And he says, Congress doesn't have the power to do it. And I had to shake violently in my place. I wanted to call up Cliff and, and, and say, let's get on the phone with him and, Trey, and tell Trey Gowdy, who is in Congress? A former prosecutor successful prosecutor. I want to say, hey, let's call him up and tell him Congress is the court. Congress is the court. What do you mean you don't have the power? You absolutely have the power. You need to study a little bit, read a book, call up Mark Herr, call up some folks. Call up Bill Federer, my friend Bill, he's going to be on the radio show again. Talk to him a little bit. What do you mean you don't? There's not flaming arrows. Listen, the flaming arrows are coming at us, right? They're coming at us, and we're ducking. And, and I'm an archer, so I kind of like flaming arrows. I'm like, that's pretty cool, I think. The compound bow, flaming arrows, it's just cool, really cool. But here's the thing. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how peaceful and placid it seems, guess what? Flaming arrows at any moment could come flying at you because the adversary is evil. You've always got to carry the shield of trust. You've always got to be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet. Hold on. Hold on. Let me go back here. I'm sorry. Let me go back here. All the evil flaming arrows. All of them. We don't let some of them buy because we say, well, that's a little more passable. Well, you know, abortion is the law of the land. Why isn't the Second Amendment the law of the land? Why don't we leave that alone? Because that's been established since the beginning. In the beginning, we, we, we had respect for human life. Why did we allow it to get flipped upside down? What was it, the 70s? It's always up for debate. It's always up for debate. They don't want to debate abortion once that became law. But you know what? They always want to debate the Second Amendment. All of them. Every flaming arrow of the evil one. And take the helmet of deliverance along with the sword given by the Spirit. That is the word of God as you pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests in the Spirit. Vigilantly and persistently for all God's people. Pray for me too that whenever I open my mouth, the words will be given to me to be bold in making known the secret of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may speak boldly the way that I should. Let me say this to you folks. ISIS has said, Islamic State has said, they're calling for the slaughter of Americans on election day. This is, this is actual intelligence, folks. I'm not saying up here saying what somebody repeated on the Internet. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. CIA, FBI, all the different agencies, they're all on high alert for this. Don't fail to go to the polls because of this. Please don't do that. 
One day after U.S. intelligence sources learned, this is from Zero Hedge, that al-Qaeda in New York, Texas, Virginia, and Saturday, the Islamic State called for the slaughter of U.S. voters on Election Day and demanded that Muslims not participate in the Democratic – yeah, uh, hey, how support that? Hey, for leftists, November 9th, that's your day. That's when you go vote. November 9th. If you're a Democrat, November 9th. Just saying. Islamic State, November 9th. Saturday, the Islamic State called for the slaughter of U.S. voters on Election Day and demanded that Muslims not participate in the democratic process because there is no difference between Republican and Democrat parties and their policies against Islam and Muslims. Oh, and by the way, the other reason why you should never vote if you're a good Muslim, right? I gave this speech, I think, last week. Good Muslims can't be good citizens. You know why? Because they can't swear to the Constitution. They can't, they can't swear allegiance to this country because it's not God. No God but Allah. Policies against Islam and Muslims. Isn't that something? Islamic State calls for attacks on voters on Election Day. Demands Muslims not participate. Look out on Twitter. It's all over the place. Sebastian Gorka. Go to his situation page. You go there, and you're going to see some amazing things. That guy's on top of it. Pamela Geller. She's on top of it. Brave people. You've got to pay attention. You had better listen. You had better listen. You had better listen. They're not playing around. They're not messing around. We have better learn to be tougher than them. We better learn to arm up all the armor, not some of it. The threats appear in an essay carried by the Islamic State's Al-Haliyat Media Center that declares militants have come to slaughter you and smash your ballot boxes. All right, I'm going to lay this on you. You ready for this? This is from my buddy Jerry. Is there a single soul who is surprised that an engineer came up with this? 10,535 pages reduced to four sentences. What do you think the 10,535 pages are? That's going to be Obamacare. You ready? Great summary by a Notre Dame University engineer. Here are the 10,535 pages of Obamacare condensed to four simple sentences. You'll think I'm making a funny here, but at the end you'll understand I'm not. As humorous as it sounds, every last word is absolutely true. Number one, in order to ensure the uninsured, stay with me now. In order to ensure the uninsured, we have to uninsure the insured. Next, we require the newly uninsured to be reinsured. Number three, to reinsure the newly uninsured, they are required to pay extra charges to be reinsured. Number four, the extra charges are required so that the original insured who became uninsured and then became reinsured can pay enough extra so that the original uninsured can be insured free of charge to them. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what's called redistribution of wealth, or by its more common name, socialism, progressivism, and the politically correct names are all for communism. Wow, what a brilliant way to raise money to fund a free service. Aren't we lucky to have such brilliant person leading us, such as Barack Hussein Obama? Here's a news flash. This is as real as it gets, folks. I am now totally uninsured. I am totally uninsured. I have no insurance now. Why? Because my insurance company said, uh, we're throwing the flag in Delaware because you know what? We're not going to write insurance there anymore. Therefore, we're canceling you because um, we're not even going to be here anymore because of Obamacare and all of our doctors left and we can't profit. So then what I do, I traipse over because if, if I like my doctor, I can keep my doctor. That's what I was told. Like my doctor, keep my doctor. I'm the uninsured now. So, of course, that all applies to me, one through four. I say, yee-hee, I'm going to healthcare.gov, and I'm going to get me some insurance for cheap. Guess what I found out? For the low, low price. For the low, low price of $2,845 a month, I can have a, what is it, $14,000 deductible before it's 70%. And then i got to be in the hole $35,000 
before they'll they'll pony up 80%. And then I got to be in the hole about 55,000 before they'll pony up 90%. And I never get better than 90. Or or I could be penniless and be on Medicare or Medicaid, but I have no insurance. Now you might say, "Wow, that's sad, Sean. That's so sad. I'm so sad for you." But think about all the people now that have insurance. You mean illegal aliens? Them? Here's the problem with that. You say, well, that's funny, Sean. That's it's funny. It's sad. It's funny. I mean, I wish I wasn't, you know, I wish you weren't going through this. But, yeah, you know, I am. I have insurance, thank God, you know, And but I feel for you. I'll pray for you. That's what Christians always say. I'll pray for you. They never pray for you. So you see them two weeks later. You say, hey, how'd that praying for me go? What? They look at you funny. Don't ever say you're going to pray for somebody. You're not going to do it. I'm here to tell you, folks. I'm here to tell you why this is not funny is because my story is told thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times all across this country. And I want you to understand something very powerful. Obamacare is a kind of a funny name for the ACA, Affordable Care Act. But folks, it's one of the largest crimes ever perpetrated against mankind. They knew from day one that it was a lie. They knew from day one. Jonathan Gruber, uh, and uh, he's a PhD from MIT. He's the friend of Barack Obama, who is the architect behind it. And he is on on video, on video and audio. He's on video and audio, saying, "Well, the American people are so stupid, they'll vote for it. They're stupid. American people are stupid, they'll vote for it." And then eventually, what's going to happen? The whole system's going to collapse. And guess what's going to happen? Then everybody is insured under the government and/or single payer. And you only have there who decides who lives and dies. They said, we don't have any death panels. There's no death panels. Yet there are death panels. Everybody gets insurance. Everybody. Everybody gets insurance. You know what? I can't get insurance. I've been trying since I got that uh, cancellation letter to get insurance. I can't get insurance. You guys know I was in a horrible car crash. I have lots of stuff wrong with me. Some people would say eh, from a long time ago, 1987, right? Maybe some would say from 1965. But the bottom line is, is look. I couldn't, get, I couldn't get health insurance. I had to keep what I had, and now I lost what I had. But now I can't get it. Even if I had $2,800 a month, I can't get it. Here's the thing. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Remember, there are people all across this country, tens of thousands of people, my friends, tens of thousands of people who they don't have insurance. They don't have insurance. They got, they got nothing. They got nothing. If they get sick, they're done. They're ruined. They're over. Why? Because a crime that took over one-sixth of the U.S. economy was allowed to happen because people in the churches, starting at the pulpit, they smelled a fish and they said, well, Nancy Pelosi, she said that I have to pass the bill to see what's in the bill. Totally against, of course, everything we teach in Center for Self-Governance. Totally against anything you ever learned in civics. Totally against any kind of logic. And yet, we sat silently. A lot, lot of people were in Washington and a lot of people here, this group. But I'm telling you, my buddy Mark Kerr was there shooting video. And, I, and I'm just telling you, it was a crazy day. But what if there were 10 million people there? What if the government was afraid of us instead of us being afraid of them? What if the lowest learners... If somebody came to them and said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? How about you use your position to deny conservative groups their 501c3? How would that be? 
And she'd look them in the eye and go, you know what? I'm afraid of those people way more than I'm afraid of you. They'll always paint Christians as gun-toting, Bible-thumping ticks, right? They always paint us that way. Southerners, they always paint Southerners as stupid hicks. Bible-toting, gun-toting. Bible-clinging, gun-toting. Here's the problem. They're not afraid of us. For all their talk about all our guns, they're not afraid of us. The NRA, who can argue this year the NRA has come out with the best ads I've ever seen in my life. They are literally the best ads I've ever seen. Freedom's safest place. Tuesday, my friends, it's all, there couldn't be a more important election in all the time I've been alive than this one. If we lose this one, we have lost everything. We'll have to fight harder. It'll be much bloodier. We had our chance to be peaceful. We had our chance to go easy at it. We had our chance to talk and be heard. Those days are over. Make no mistake, Tuesday is critical for you. Go and vote. Carry all the conservatives with you you can. You say, well, shouldn't we carry everybody? Isn't it important for everybody to, to play a part in the process? No, because we already know Hillary Clinton's got a lot of dead folks. You know, there's a lot of people when they were alive, they were Republicans. As soon as they died, they started voting Democrat. We laugh at it, but that's what they're doing. We laugh at it, but that's what they're doing, and we lean back on that. And we say, wait a second, Hillary Clinton, 650,000 more emails. How does anybody have 650,000 more emails, and they don't go to jail? James Comey needs to fear us. Our government needs to understand we're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to tolerate it. What about you, America? What are you going to tolerate? The folks all around the world. I get letters from um, Belgium and Switzerland and Germany and so many other cool places all around the world. France, people in France are on my case. They're saying, Pastor, you got to preach it. We wish somebody would come over here and preach like that here, but everybody's afraid to do it because they're afraid the government will shut them down and the Muslims will kill them. It's a lot worse here than, than what's being said on the American news. You can't believe how it is. We talked about Greece right before my buddy Bill and I had the privilege of being in Greece and Turkey. Boy, you wouldn't want to be in Greece and Turkey right now. It's bad. And they all say, don't let them do that to you. Don't let them do that to you. Shut it down. My friends, Tuesday is the day. We've, we've, got, we've got to stand up. We've got to have all of our armor on. We've got to have a fire in our belly. You know why? Because without the fire in our belly, and that fire is the holy anointed fire of the spirit of the living God who gave us this gift called freedom. Tuesday, let your fire show. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www Join us during the week. And in the meantime, 
Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.